All right. Good morning. Oh, come on. I mean, we struggled with our clapping today. We, you know, come on. Good morning. All right. Somebody's like, I'm, I'll show you. I'm going to clap right now. Good. Hey, if you got a Bible, meet me in Acts chapter three. Acts chapter three. We're going to talk about uh, an incredible passage of scripture today. But as you're turning there. I was doing a little bit of, of studying this week as we're continuing our series forward and reverse and looking back and looking forward. And, you know, so, some things never change about humanity, right? Like we always look for the next big thing, right? We always search for that next like crazy wow factor, right? Like something that just takes our culture by storm and becomes its own industry. One of those things that has been recent uh, is essential oils, all right, now listen, I don't want you to raise your hands or anything like that. All right, we've got them at our house. It's totally cool. So I'm not going to dog on you. But but essential oils, like my mom's like so into that, you know, like just this crazy stuff where we're like, she'll be like, you know, if you rub this on your kid, he'll be calm. And I'm like, you're a liar. <laughs> and you're like, sorry, mom, if you're listening. But, you know, just like like crazy stuff. Like, have you met my child? Like there, there's no oil on the planet that is going to calm this this child down. And, uh, you know, so like we, we do that. But as I was thinking through that and thinking through just like all the different things that we we look for and we try to get to, like, give us that next like, whoa, like this is this is it. And, and always under delivers. You know, we, I was looking at that and Carl and I were chatting about it and he Googled it real quick and fi- found out that that this essential oil industry has become worldwide. I want to get this right. How, how, how many dollars do you think? $20 billion industry. Somebody's like, trillion. You can't wow me. <laughs> A trillion dollars. Right? Like, I, you know, $20 billion though. Like those little vials. Right? And if I wasn't a dad of three, I would have brought one so I could show it to you. But I forgot. And, uh, you know, because life. And I just, you look at those little things and then, you know, you put them in the little thing and you turn the lights on and it changes colors. And I don't care how old you are, you're going to watch that thing change colors because it's just, (laughs) we're all the same. And, uh, you know, I I was just thinking about that and thinking about $20 billion on essential oils around the world. I mean, it's wild. We are prone to look for the next big thing. And one of those areas is, especially in religious circles, this idea of healing. Like, if I can be healed, I want that. If there's a way for me to get healed, I want that. But what is true healing? And that's really what I want us to think about today. And I want us to look at this story in Acts chapter 3 because where you think it would go is not at all where it goes. And I want you to feel the tension of that because the first half of this story is like, yeah, like, go God. Awesome. And, and, and rightfully so. And rightfully so, because, you know, what we learned last week is that the church, when it gathers, the church is people. It's not building. It's not location. It's not anything. It's a group of people. It's you and me 
in community together. And, and as the church started, what we learned last week is that they devoted themselves to just a couple things. I mean, it's really remarkable that they said, these are the four things that we're going to devote our lives to. Right? What does it mean to devote yourself to something? I mean, that, that's more than just, I'll try it out. I mean, I'll give it a shot. Like, devoted means like, I'm not going to quit this when it goes weird. I'm not going to, you know, I mean, like, can you imagine if every time your kid, like, did something that annoyed you, you're like, sorry, bud, you're out of here. All right? You're like, no, like, we don't even, no, like, we're family. Like, we don't do that. And that's the church, right? Like, like they devoted themselves to just a couple things. They devoted themselves to the word, right? Like, this is like a, like a $4 copy. I got it for free, actually, right? And, like, there are places in the world that would give their life to have this copy of the word. They devoted themselves to the word. They, they devoted themselves to fellowship. We've been, we've been talking about that a lot. It's not just because we, we want to hang out with you. We do want to hang out with you. We're really excited about that. But, but it's not just that. It's because as we look back to what the very first church did, this was the thing they did. Constantly through Acts, it says they gathered in the temple together corporately and then they gathered in each other's homes and, and broke bread. That was the next thing. They devoted themselves to the word, to each other, to communion. You know, and as I thought about communion, I think, you know, at what point does, do we, do we uh, become accustomed to those things that we devote ourselves to? And really what I, what I want to draw your attention to today by the end is, is to recognize that the, the reason we devote ourselves to communion is because it is our literal experience with God. It, it is a place where God meets us because 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, are we not partakers in the body and blood of Christ. Why is that such a big deal? Because every single time we gather, we gather as sinful people. And we need God. You need God every day. So they devoted themselves to that. And then they devoted themselves to prayer. Talk about that in a little bit. But as we talked about last week, you know, you go back to Second. Chronicles chapter 16 in the Old Testament, you, you get to see a little bit of the heart of God. L- listen to this. It says in Second Corinthians, in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, it says, Certainly the Lord watches the whole earth carefully and is ready to strengthen those who are devoted to Him. And of course, that was written because the people weren't, right? But God, think about God the Father searching carefully through the entire earth for those who would devote themselves to Him. And then He promises to strengthen them, right? In the New Testament, in Acts, as we've been looking, what does it say that when they would go out as witnesses, when these believers would go out as witnesses, that God, the Holy Spirit, would come on them with power. I mean, more of that. Like, where is that in our body? The power of God. And we want to talk about that. But this is an interesting text because it begins with Peter and John just being faithful believers. Just being faithful believers. It's, it's tempting to rush to the miracle that's in this text and miss the things that are around it. L- listen to verse 1 and 2. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time for prayer. 
doesn't say they were they had a few minutes to spare and they were just going to they're going to go grab a quick prayer time they had a time for prayer. And now listen, don't hear me wrong, it's not the religious activity of the church that accomplishes anything. But when we've been changed by the grace of God, because let's not forget what we studied the first uh, few weeks of this series, right? Like they had just seen the move of God. They had just been given the Holy Spirit. He wasn't just on them and around them. He was now in them and they were experiencing power and it was different and it was awesome and it was strange but they were like that like we're going to devote ourselves to that do you have it let's hang out do you have it let's hang out you don't have it you need it right like this was a new lifestyle of worship worship is a lifestyle right and and praise is what we do in here because uh, Psalm 150 says let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. So so we praise together, but your whole life is your worship. And God says, I'll give you power for that. So so here they are. Three o'clock rolls around. They grab each other and they go. It's awesome. Just in the simple things that God was doing. Verse two. And a man lame from birth was being carried up who was placed at the temple gate called the beautiful gate, every day so he could beg for money from those going into the temple courts. Again, the next verse starts the miracle. And you're just tempted to rush past it. But, but here's Peter and John. Think about this. They are, they are going to the temple at 3 o'clock as was their daily routine. They were spending time with each other in prayer because it was awesome. And the power of God was there. And then he was meeting with his people. And they devoted themselves to it. But it's also interesting that they go and they pass through the beautiful gate. Right? And, you know, sometimes it would be fun for you to go and do a little devotional study on the temple and just all the different areas of it. But one of the things that happened right after you passed through the beautiful gate is that you people, Christians, believers, would go through the beautiful gate and that's where they would bring their tithes and offerings. Or what the Bible sometimes calls alms, right? If you've got an old school translation. But they would go through this gate and they would, they would bring their tithes and offerings uh, to, to the house of God and for the people of God, which we studied about last week. And so there's this guy sitting where he knows that believers... Christians are coming regularly to be generous with what God has given to them. Like the Bible is full of good information, heart transforming information. And so what we see here is two guys who saw amazing things, right? Like sometimes it's easy to forget, like Peter gets all the bad rap about being like the loose cannon and stuff. And he was, he earned it, right? Like Peter was... Peter was, you know, he was Peter. And he was uh, a little bit loose. Amen? But so was John. Like, John, by the time we get to, uh, you know, John's gospel and stuff, John's a completely different guy. You know, now he's writing scripture under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, he's, he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. They become best friends. I mean, when Jesus is on the cross, you know, being... A murdered for your sin and for mine. He looks at John 
and says, take care of my mom. That's where John ended up. That's not where John started, right? Amen. Like John was originally one of the sons of thunder. Remember how he got that nickname? Because when a group of people wouldn't do what they wanted them to do, John pulls Jesus aside and goes, hey, you want me to call down fire from heaven and burn all these losers alive? And Jesus is like, no. (laughs) I came to seek and save the lost, not burn them alive with fire, John. Right? And so, like, these guys have been totally changed by being in the presence of the Lord. Watching Him die. Watching Him be raised to life. And then they're given the commission of the church. And so here they are and they're doing the little things that set apart the people of God. Time, money, generosity, all these things that that we ought to be known for. That we might make a difference in each other's lives, but also in the lives of this neighborhood, the lives of this city, on your street. These are the things that Christians are known for. And can I just encourage you that those are two areas that tend to get pushed aside in our lives. Prayer and generosity. It just happens. Because because think about this. If you... In our affluence in this country, if if we don't actually need God to provide because we can provide, then we're not going to need to pray because we don't need anything in our mind. And so, uh, if I'm not communicating with the Lord, it's easy to not be generous and deal with my idols and, and deal with all of those things that take center stage in the in the throne of my life instead of... God being there where he ought to be and then everything else that he owns and gives me uh, being stewarded well. It's powerful to think about. So, so, so here's Peter and John and here's this guy. He's a paraplegic from birth. He's paralyzed and he goes to this gate where Christians are doing what they do and he's going there for help every day. And so Peter and John start to interact with him. And the Bible says he's expecting to get something from them. And that's encouraging to me because that means at the beautiful gate where Christians are going daily and passing through, that means Christians are being generous. Right? Like if he, the next verse, and we're going to read it in just a second, is going to say that he's expecting to get something when they engage him. And that's encouraging to me because that means that even from the start, even from the first church ever, Christians were known as a generous people. I love that. May Redeemer City Church be known in this community as a generous people. Corporately, but also individually, that that every one of us where God would massage the gospel into our heart and give us a passion for an orphan or give us a passion for a neighbor who does not know Jesus or give us a passion for our homeless friends or whatever it may be that we would be known as a generous people. So so here they are. They're doing what Christians do. That's awesome. And there's power in that. And so he thinks he's going to get something. Look at, look at verse 4. It says, Peter looked directly at him, as did John, and said, look at us. So the lame man paid attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. It's like, all right. Here's some good, nice Christian guys. 
But Peter said, I have no silver or gold. I mean, at that point, if you're this guy, you're like, oh, here we go. He's, he's one of those Christians. I don't have any money for you, but I'm going to tell you all about, you know, and you know how it goes. I'm just going to let that sit there for a second, right? We've all had that experience. But look at what Peter says. He says, I don't have any silver or gold. But what I do have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, stand up and walk. Now listen, this this like perks my attention because I've lived in this place. So my mom, when I was three, had a tumor go through her spinal cord. And she's been paralyzed from her waist down for the last... 30 plus years. Well, we won't let the cat out of the bag. It's just how old I am yet. But for more than 30 years, more than three decades, she's been living in a wheelchair. So like, I get this. Like, I, like I, I feel that, right? Like, this guy's been lame. He couldn't walk from birth. And at, at this point in the story, I'm like, man, if you would bring my mom or bring my son for that matter who has spina bifida, and you were to bring him up here and you were to be like, Mitch, like, I don't have any money to give you, but, but I can heal your mom or I can heal your son right now. I'd be like, oh, let's go. Like, let's do this right now. So if I'm this guy, I'm like, oh, this just went from eh, no money to, okay, I'm back in. I'm on team Peter and John. Let's go. But they, they, they say, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, stand up and walk. And then look at this, verse 7. I just want you to feel this because if, if people knew this guy, this is incredible stuff. Then Peter took hold of him by the right hand and raised him up. And at once the man's feet and ankles were made strong. And then look at verse 8 because this is important for later in the text. It says, he jumped up. And let me tell you, if you walked in and healed my mom tomorrow, she would not just be like, oh, this is, well, thank you, sir. She'd be like, ah, she would jump, like, it'd be incredible. It's a miracle, right? It's going to blow people away. And he does what he's supposed to do, right? He does what he's supposed to do. It says, he jumped up, stood and began walking around, and he entered the temple courts with them, walking and leaping and what? Praising God. When God does something in your life, you show it and you yell it and you praise him and you tell people amen this is this is what this is he's just become a believer right and here he is running around praising leaping look at verse 9 all the people saw him walking and praising god and they recognized him as the man who would sit by the beautiful gate and ask for donations at the temple and it says they were filled with astonishment and amazement at what had happened to him. And, and here's, where, here's where the story sits for a second. And, and you and I, like, we, we pray because James 5.14 says that if you are sick and you bring the elders of the church and we pray over you, that there are times when God will heal people. And we've done that in these last three and a half years and, and we've seen God take away some physical things from people and we believe that. And things have happened in my own life where, 
where I've been on the receiving end of that. So we know that that's true and we still do that and still pray for that. And at the end of this service, we'll be here. And if you are sick, we want to pray for you. We want to do that because it's biblical. James chapter 5. The prayer of a righteous man is great power. Not because we do, but because the Holy Spirit lives within us. And is on the move in the body of Christ. But it's at this point in the text that you and I would be like, Oh my gosh, like, you healed my mom, you healed the lame man. Like, let's gather the church, we're going we're gonna to sing we're going to preach, we're going to cry, we're going to praise. It's going to be awesome. And that's totally what you would expect to happen right here, but it's not what happens. Good old Peter, right? Like, what Peter turns and does is surprising to me, but not by the time you get to the end of it. But I want you to feel the emotion of what just happened because... This guy just got healed. And we believe in that. And we've seen God do it. But I want you to feel the tension of what's about to happen because it's in that moment of glory. Peter stands up. Look at verse 11 here. You know, Ephesians 5 says, we should make the most of every opportunity that's given to us. You know, I often think about like the movie Gladiator. Like at this point, like if you were Peter, you'd be like the guy in Gladiator, you know, Russell Crowe in the Colosseum. He just like took down a bunch of people and he's like, are you not entertained? Right. And like this is Peter, like right here, like he's got the moment. So he stands up and he's going to deliver God's word. And look what he does. It says, while the man was hanging on to Peter and John. So like the original text there, like in Greek, it's not because remember, it says he jumped up. And was running around. It's, you know, you kind of think like, oh, he's like, the first time he's ever walked, he's like a little feeble. No, no, no. He was like grabbing them. He wanted everybody around there to be like, this guy just healed me. So he's grabbing him. Bringing him to the people. Right? Because look at this. All the people, completely astounded, ran together to them in the covered walkway called Solomon's Portico. So they had gone through the temple gate. They heal him. And then they're all running out to where they gather, like under this big, beautiful thing. And it's awesome. And they're, they're fired up and they're astounded. And when Peter saw this, verse 12, he declared to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? <laughs> Dumb question, Pete. <laughs> You see, the guy has been lame from birth. That's why. But look at what he does. He says, why do you stare at us if we had made this man walk by our own power or piety? By our own ability. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our forefathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate after he decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked that a man who was a murderer be released to you. Look at verse 15. You killed the originator of life. You know, God has two different words for you. And the first one is a word of his law. The first one is a hard word, a difficult word, because you see, like 
we'll never get to the place where we appreciate and believe and have faith in and we'll put our faith in Christ the way we ought to unless we fully realize who we are. Unless we have a total picture of who we are. See, because this amazing thing happens. This glorious healing happens and Peter turns around and and is like, man, you guys, you killed Jesus. Sinful people. I mean, who, who, who in here right now, like we would, when we, when we get really honest with ourselves, we would look, we would get up and say, man, like I've got it all together. We're just not going to, it's just not, that's just not true. Even when things are really good, we know that at some point the bottom's going to fall out. You know, which one of us is not affected at some way, at some level, a family member away or two by major things like cancer or paraplegic or whatever it is. Like, like we get this. Like, we live in a broken world. And so... You know, in this moment, we we look at this and we think like, why not heal everybody begging at the temple? Right? Like, if this was the place where Christians are generous and they heal this guy, there's likely other people there. Right? There's another story in Scripture at the Pool of Bethesda where, where this guy is trying to get in the water because he wants to be healed and like there's tons of people and he can't get in fast enough because he's lame as well. And Jesus healed that guy, but he didn't heal everybody else. Why? You know, I, I think about, you know, our own mon- modern day gimmicks that, 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 you know, these crazy charlatans do. You know, like, like why doesn't Benny Hinn go to, why isn't he at Tampa General right now? Healing everybody. Why not? It's a good question, right? Because there must be something greater. There must be a deeper and true healing that can actually take place that actually is better than even our physical healing. And that's hard to listen to sometimes. But my mom, who many of you have met here, would agree with this next statement. That there is something far worse than being unable to have physical healing. Eternity is a very long time. And she would totally agree with this. That there is a better answer from God than just physical healing but there's a healing of the soul and that this is where peter goes right he says you killed jesus but then listen to this he says so god's first word is, word is difficult it's law it's who you are but look at what he says you killed the originator of life whom god raised from the dead to this fact we are witnesses and then he says, you acted in ignorance, verse 17, verse 18. God uh, told long ago that Christ would suffer and be fulfilled in this way. But then look at verse 19. It says, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. 
This is the gospel. It's grace. It's the second word. It's once you know who you are, then you get to meet and know who God is. And, and look, so, so this second word, like, what is true healing? God may heal you physically, but he may not. And in his sovereignty and in his plan, like, we won't understand that always. We're going to pray for it, and God says sometimes he'll do it. And we'll take time today, and, and we'll do that with you. But there is something greater than just physical healing, and it's spiritual healing because uh, repent and turn that your sins may be wiped out. Why? I want you to listen to this. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What a powerful thing that, that if you would repent of your sin and turn to the Lord, there are these times of refreshing that come from being in His presence. So God's first word is law, but His second word is grace. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, He said, it is finished. That there's nothing, once you understand who you are, apart from Christ, you, you, you recognize that there's nothing you can do to make things right to earn your way into God's good graces but that in Jesus he finished all that is necessary and it's free and available for you you know we need the reminder today that we are the lame man you are the lame man that apart from Christ Apart from Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit living in and through you, you are in fact unable to rise up and walk. And the most loving thing that I can do for you is to help you see that. Whether you've been a Christian for five minutes, five years, 50 years, or you're not, the, le- the playing field is level when it comes to this fact that Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. It's a great quote by a, an old guy, dead guy named G.K. Chesterton. I have it for you on the screen here. I want you to think about this. He, he wrote this. He said, the Christian life has not been tried and found wanting. There's good answers to your questions, whether they be science or history or whatever else. It's not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. It's been found difficult and left untried. What what, what Peter's reminding us in this moment is that God is not our pathway to ease. He's not our pathway to ease. What He is is our pathway to life. And there's a difference. You see, because what I'm telling you today is that there's true healing available for you right now. Right now. You can have it now. Some of you walked in here today and you're carrying something that that you've carried for a long time. And I want you to know that if you will release it and lay it at the foot of the cross, it can be gone now. You, You can be healed from that weight now. 
in the name of Jesus, just like this lame man was. It's available. But that will not make your life easy. In fact, a lot of times it makes your life harder. But that's okay because what Jesus said in John 16.33 is that in this world you will have trouble. You're going to. But take heart. Don't you love that phrase? Just take heart. Be encouraged in the Lord today. Why? Because I have overcome the world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Physical healing is one thing, and it's pretty great. And God can certainly do it, and we'll pray for it. But the eternal healing offered to us in Jesus is infinitely greater. That no matter what you suffer with in this life, what has been secured for you in the next will empower you in this one to live through whatever He's called you to live through to the glory of God. True healing through freedom in Christ is available to you right now. You see, the tough message from Peter was repent. But it ushered in times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. And that's my prayer for you today. It's my prayer for you today that that God's law would help you see your need for Jesus. That hard word, repent and turn from your sin, return from your mundane lifestyle, return from whatever it is for you, another religion, apathy, indifference, wherever you are, to turn from that, to repent and turn to the Lord so that times of refreshing may come. Times of refreshing. You are that lame man. But you can be healed. I'm going to have the band come back up and play through that song that we just sang and that Carl talked about. Because there is good news for you today. That no matter what you're walking through, no matter what you've been through, that Jesus is greater than that. And it's available. And so I just want to ask you to stand. We're going to pray and we're going to sing this. And in a minute I'll come up and and I'm going to lead you through communion. And what my prayer is for you in this moment is that as these words play and these guys sing and as you sing and as you pray, that you would just meet with the Lord right now. You know, you don't need me to convince you. It's right here in the Word. And when the Holy Spirit of God, right, the the Bible says that God's Word is able to cut through the joints and the marrow of of your life and get to the heart of the matter. And so wherever you're at, listen, I'm... I'm not an old guy, but I've been around long enough to know that every single one of us, we walked in here with something. We just do. It's, it's, the, it's human. It's part of being human. I know many of you have been sick. I know many of you have lost loved ones. I know many of you are facing decisions. And I just want to encourage you and call you back to this simple idea that the church devoted themselves to just a few things. This is one of them, that we would repent because the Word tells us to repent.
so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And so wherever you are, I want to encourage you to do that in this moment as you listen. If we can pray with you, please come forward. We would love to pray with you. Whether, whether it's for healing, as James 5 says, or whether it's just to encourage you, to edify you, to lift you up. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus today. It's time for you to just turn from your sin to the Lord and bow the knee and and declare that Jesus is Lord of your life. Maybe you've never done that. We would love to walk you through that. To confess your sin and declare that He is Lord. Don't leave today without taking care of that. It's the greatest decision you can make. So let's sing this song together. You come pray. We can, we'll, we'll, we'll put an arm around you and pray with you. And uh, just do business with God right now because in just a minute we're going to take communion. And if you're not a believer, I would ask you not to take it. Because it's our participation in the body and blood of Christ. And so let, let's do business right now with the Lord. Let's repent from our sins. Turn to God so that times of refreshing may come. Mm-hmm.